Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. Absolutely love that music. Joel Molinaro's got a little mini basketball in the studio. He's ready to go. Um, man, NBA season's less than two weeks away, folks. So we're back. Kevin's Corner. Colts bye week. Perfect time to slide in a little Pacers podcast into your inbox. And uh, really exciting season, man. I, I feel like there's a lot of questions to be answered. Different types of questions. Returners, newcomers, the health of your star all of that but definitely I think this is a new era for Pacers basketball in a way you know you were a bit older last year all those guys in the final year their deals their respective deals and now you've got three newcomers in the starting lineup Sabonis in the starting lineup again the health of Victor Oladipo and I'm just excited that there's a little bit of new blood I think you kind of had to inject some life into the Pacers organization It, it, it might be the wrong life who knows but I think you need to do something different, and I like what they did. Yeah, and they were kind of turning heads in the offseason. And if you remember, like, the trade deadline – or not the trade deadline, excuse me, free agency. Why right? right. that kicked off, all of a sudden you got Brogdon's coming, and then Lamb, and you're like, holy cow, okay, they're, they're active. They're doing For this, sure. like you said. So. And you're drafting a guy in Goga who people thought was a top-ten pick. Yeah. You know, just different types of Pacers stuff. We aren't used to international picks, you know, in, in the first round. And, again, we will talk about a lot of things in this podcast. Victor Oladipo, general offseason thoughts. Uh, got a lot of Twitter questions. I'm excited about answering some of those. But before we get into India and going back to that, Joey, every time I think back to the Pacers end of season last year, what sums up the end of the season to me is the fact that when you played the Boston Celtics, the player you announced last in pregame warmups was Darren Collison. Oof. The man's now retired. Yeah. Did I tell you I saw Darren Collison on my buddy's bachelor party in Miami? No. All right, so we're at this club, beach club. Didn't belong there at all. So out of place. Yeah. Just, just you or everybody in the group? Well, thankfully, everybody in the group. <laughs> if it was just me, I probably wouldn't be married still. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, we do not belong there. I mean, it's just, it's it's too high end, too bougie, yeah. too just, uh, like, what are we doing here? Right. And boom, all of a sudden, they're. In his Pacers shorts, Darren Collison. Did you say what's up? So, yeah, all of my friends are going nuts, of course. They want to talk to, you know, they, they want Darren to come over for a picture, a big picture with them. And at that point, he acted like he was coming back. Now he's retired. Huh. Yeah, they kind of I don't know if he was there doing the, the Jehovah Witness stuff at the beach club, maybe, you know, trying to attract an audience that Plenty maybe. Plenty sinners there, so. Yeah. You know. Oh, that is a good point. Right. Yeah, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of pick from in that crop. But, the, uh, but that's the thing, like, in all seriousness, Darren Collison was getting announced last. You know, that's that was kind of the state of your franchise mm-hmm. late last season. Um, and I do like that Nate McMillan has talked about it's time that we prove something. You know, yes, you you can make some excuses for some of the faults in the postseason in the last few years, but this team hasn't won a playoff series now in, I think it's five seasons. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of time to do something. Not just be that, wow, they gave Cleveland a great run, or, man, they had Toronto right there. Like, no, I I think it's time to 
take a step forward this year, and the ultimate storyline of the season will be the health of your star. And we'll get to that here in a little bit, Kevin. But first, uh, we saw the Pacers last week over in India playing the Sacramento Kings and uh, what what really looked pretty good for the Pacers. And yeah, I think you start with another newcomer from the offseason, T.J. Warren. little Mumbai action mm-hmm. for the Pacers. And, yeah, I thought T.J. Warren was – I thought he was outstanding, man. Um, you know, I've watched T.J. Warren a decent amount in college because I'm a huge Notre Dame basketball fan, so I'd watch the ACC a lot. He played NC State. And I really, really enjoyed his game. Kind of old school, throwback. Didn't shoot it great at all in college. Uh, but for a six eight guy, he just got the ball in the hole. He's a lefty, right? No, righty. No, righty, righty. He's a lefty. Um, but yeah, he just he just knows what he's doing in the half court. And I was always intrigued by that. And then all of a sudden, you see a stat line in Phoenix because Lord knows no one ever should watch a Phoenix Sun basketball game. He's shooting 40% from three last year, over 40%. Mm-hmm. And so I was really excited to watch him in India, and he was unbelievable in that first game. 30 points, three-pointer to force overtime late. And you watch his shooting stroke, and he looks like a guy that's a lot more of a 40% shooter than sub-30s, which is what he was earlier in his career. Um, so I think that is very intriguing. And I, I, I don't know. I don't want to put too much stock into, like, one game. But, you know, he did average 18 or 19 per game in Phoenix. The question is, can that translate to a better basketball team? I think he might be your leading scorer until Victor gets back. You know, I probably thought Malcolm Brogdon originally would be that guy. But I, I think I might go with Warren. And I know everyone loves, like, kind of NBA comps for, for, for players and things like that. And I see like a poor man's Rudy Gay. Not as quite of a perimeter shooter, maybe a little bit better around the basket, but think of kind of a 6'8 guy that has, is primarily a mid-range sort of long, guy. Long, you know. Long, yeah. A mismatch kind of, you know, matchup For sure. problem. Can, can play the four if you want to go a little yeah. smaller, like th- that type of player. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, 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 I really liked what I saw with uh, TJ Warren. A lot of people are excited about Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, you bring him over from Milwaukee, who's on that team last year that that seemed to be the favorite, you know, in right. the East all sure. year long. You bring him on, and, and he just seems to bring this this different presence at the point guard position. Yeah, certainly a different presence, Joey, and just his IQ. And Nate McMillan has so much comfort in just handing him the basketball, and not thinking twice about it. But he's also a different type in just how he plays the game. Uh-huh. You know, I enjoyed watching him and De'Aaron Fox match up in the games in India because they're two totally different point guards. Right. Fox is this lightning quick guy that, uh, you know, can break down a defense so easily. And then Brogdon is, he's kind of a bully at point guard. I mean, he's six, he's listed at 6'5", 229. Mm-hmm. That's a big boy. Yeah. That is a big point guard. And he plays old school type like that, too. Exactly. You know? Gets his body into you, and it was just... It was, was Mark Jackson? Yeah. You know, obviously a little bit bigger than Jackson, right, but yeah, but I just, think I, I think that's a good, good comp there, and just how he uses his body. You know, because it's funny, on one end of the floor, Fox is just trying to jet quick past Brogdon, and the other end of the floor, Brogdon's like, I'll be a little bit more deliberate, but eventually... I'm going to get the job done. Seems like the crafty dad at you know your local YMCA that just knows how to 100%. back him down. Yeah. You know, make a no-look pass or something. Right. You have the 13-year-old son that's ready to beat dad for the first time, and then you also have 
this guy in in, in Brogdon that is the dad like and can kind of use his body um, to get to the rim. I would say a couple things that stood out to me from him in India. Assisted turnover, you know, is going to be really high for him. You know, that's going to be a great ratio. Him and DeMontis Sabonis in the pick and roll, that will be the go-to offense, I think, at times for this team. The scoring was not there. He shot under 30% in India, and I think it's a fair question to have, and something I think we even asked during the offseason when we were talking about the Pacers. Will his scoring translate? Because you're asking him to do so much as a point guard. You know, in Milwaukee, they still had Eric Bledsoe. So it just it wasn't just this foregone conclusion, Brogdon was your point guard. Yeah. Like, he played off the ball a decent amount. Now you're asking him to play on the ball, get others involved, but then also carry a bit of a scoring burden for you. I thought potentially that could be that leading score um, until Victor Oladipo got back. So um, that, that, that'll be a question that I still think you have with Brogdon is you hear 50-40-90, you see a really efficient score, now you're throwing full-time point guard responsibilities on him. Is that too much for a guy that just athletically can't win one-on-one every single possession. That's just not his game. He's just not some gifted athlete that's going to blow by you. He's a really, really good player. Obviously can finish with both hands. Extremely intelligent. Uh, but he's got to he's got to do it a little bit harder. than it. it takes a little bit more for him to get it done than other guys. He's taken over the Andrew Luck role of the voice in Indianapolis. Like the Brogdon? peculiar voice. Oh, yeah. yeah that, Can you the, do it? Have uh, you I'm working it? on it. but Dude, I, I, I still need to watch your Instagram video from last night. I missed it. But he, if you, have you heard him? I mean, obviously you heard oh, him yeah. like, you know, the, the press conferences and stuff. He's, yeah. He's very much like taken over that, that peculiar type of uh, athlete voice in the city. But you know, very, very pe- excited about it. People have talked about, you know, him running for office one day. Do you think his voice would? Well, he honestly does sound like President Obama. Yeah. Kind of. And that's, I, I think, uh, in what, a way. You know, people have seen the light skin and that sort of, you know, you went to Virginia. That's obviously a popular Very, yeah, school, good school for presidential candidates and whatnot. So, yeah, I, I am excited to watch Brogdon. All right. Well, one thing that we know is consistent about this Pacers team and has been since he's gotten here is, is Domas Sabonis. Whether he's coming off the bench, whether he, you know, is going to see some starter minutes, you just know what you're going to get from Domas. And you we do. saw that in India. We well, you do. And um, that dude's a good basketball player, man. So good in the half court. I think this time last year I felt like there's all-star potential in him. That might have been a bit of it. A, a, Jesus, wow. That's what happens when you wake up at 5 a.m. to do radio. Long, yeah, yeah. Um, there is a bit of – that was a bit premature, but I still think he's extremely gifted in the half court. And, you know, I was curious how would him and Turner look, and I think that Turner's just got to stretch the floor with that starting lineup. But it's not just like, okay, you just throw Domas on the block and he doesn't move from the block because you want him involved in dribble handoffs. You want him involved in pick and rolls because he's such a smart basketball player. Um, So I think that Domas in the starting lineup, I fully understand it. But him and Turner playing together, I still think there's going to be some bumps in the road, certainly on the defensive end of the floor. Domas does look a tad slimmer, which I think is smart, you know, him chasing a little bit more of the T.J. Warren types around, yeah. playing the four. But still, I, I think when you go to your second unit, you know how early in games it's like, all right, the first guard goes to the bench, then the first big man goes to the bench. You start subbing guys out. I'd probably leave Domas in last 
let him play with that second unit a little bit more. Uh-huh. And then really, you'll only see Domas and Turner together to start a game, to start a third quarter, and then I guess you make a decision with like eight or nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter how you want to finish. So I, I think those are the stretches that we'll ultimately see them in together. I mean, Nate McMillan, he typically you know kind of does that at the end of games, right? Yeah, I thought he did a great job last year of kind of riding the hot hand, right? Um, which for such a you know such a old school mind in the NBA, and he wants to be the contrarian with this team. I I, I did think he did a nice job of that, um, but yeah, we'll we'll see if Soma if Domas gets the extension, you know, here before the start of the season, two weeks away, week from Wednesday actually. Um, but yeah, that he's just a solid, solid player, and we saw him attempt a couple jumpers in India. It didn't go down, but I've always thought he had a decent stroke. Yeah, so we'll see how that evolves as well. Bringing back shades of a David West elbow jumper, ooh, almost. Ooh, sign me up for that. The lefty style from from Domas. Yeah, uh, let's finish here, Kevin, with the India takeaways. We didn't get to see Goga. No Goga. Um, so insert your indie star headline there. Um, still waiting to go Goga for Goga. Nice, that's good. Maybe still waiting to go dash Ga. There we go. There yeah, we go. Yeah. I knew I knew you would clean that up in a finer <laughs> way. Um, in all seriousness, this sucks, man. Yeah. Selfishly, and by the way, live TV on a Friday and Saturday morning. Yes, sign me up for sure. Oh my gosh, I love it. That's like Sunday. We got the Panthers and I think yeah. the Buccaneers. Th- I was so pissed when Oakland know, Atlanta was at one o'clock last week. That's the, the point of it. Play it at nine thirty. No, I'm like, no, not prime time over there. It needs to be early morning over yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thank you to whoever made that call, Panthers and Bucks on a Sunday morning. But yeah, those early morning preseason games, Goga, street clothes, uh, or maybe wore the uniform but didn't play. Yeah. And in all seriousness, this is, again, it sucks because selfishly I want to see him, and I'm, I am I think there's potential there. Also for him, the visa issue during the Summer League, so he doesn't play at all in the Summer League. He's not playing tomorrow night. We're taping this Thursday morning. He's already been ruled out for the third preseason game. The NBA only does four in the preseason games. And Nate McMillan says he's going to play his starters, um, which, you know, so much for load management in the NBA preseason. So Goga might only get one NBA game, summer league, preseason, whatever you want to call it, until the regular season starts. That's a minimal, minimal amount of time for a guy that you think is going to be your first big off the bench. Are they just hiding his powers, or what? <laughs> what what's the? Well, I, I mean, obviously the ankle issue is right. there. I think that's what is what has contributed to it. He has participated, you know, in pickup games of the summer, and you know, I, I get it. Like he played at a high level at the highest level in Europe, so. You know, that gives you reason for hope. There's not a ton of development needed, but still, there is some there. And I wonder if that will stunt kind of his early role. The Pacers feel like his rim protection will translate right away. They see skill. Miles Turner, the couple summer league or summer scrimmages he played with Goga, he was impressed by the skill. He feels like he actually plays a little bit bigger and he's a little taller than maybe they list him at. So I think they list him at 6'11. So I don't know. Maybe I. Maybe some of my false hope comes from just I like drafting a foreigner in the top 20 because I think that gives you hope in a small market to possibly have an all-star where you don't have to make some mega move in free agency. Yeah. And I think if Goga shows you something, 
that's a little bit more trade bait for when you extend Sabonis and already have Turner extended as well. Um, I think that's true. If somebody could take them on long term, it wouldn't be a rental. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll have to wait till Tuesday, the preseason finale, to see possibly see Goga. Okay, well, with the Pacers podcast, it's kind of like when, when Luck was still uh, around with the Colts, you had to talk about him somewhat, just like you have to talk about Victor Oladipo, especially coming off this injury. What do we know? You know, and I'm glad we waited uh, until the second segment to address Victor Oladipo, but what we know is this. He's doing some stuff in practice, nothing live, and the more I think about it, when Kevin Pritchard laid out December or January, you know, kind of that time frame, I'm thinking more January, Joey. Because my thought process is this. Once he gets into live action and practice, it's probably going to be close to a month after that before you put him into a game. Yeah. I don't see him nearing live practice very soon. So maybe he gets there by the end of this month. So then December becomes a possibility. But I just think they're going to be really cautious with this thing. And they've kind of broken it down into, all right, there's a three-segment part of the season. No victor kind of have Victor, then you have Victor at what they hope is an all-star level. And I think that is like a March-April Victor, which then gets you into the playoffs. So when you talk about how much of the season is he going to miss, I'm probably leaning closer to 30 or 40 games, which is a lot. But as I said earlier, and as you just addressed the Andrew Luck thing, and let's put all the Andrew Luck retirement jokes aside, two totally different players. Yep. The most important part of the 2018 season for the Colts was Andrew Luck coming back and proving that he could be healthy and playing at a Pro Bowl level. And again, the retirement pushed that to a side. I look at this Pacer season here in 2019-2020, and I think the most important aspect is this. Victor Oladipo gets back to health and playing at an all-star level. Because with this current makeup, if you're going to make any run in the Eastern Conference, Victor Oladipo not only has to be an all-star, he's probably got to be back to the all-NBA guy we saw a couple years ago. So, yes, there are other storylines. Brogdon and Warren and Sabonis and Turner together and what does Goga show you and all, you know, all these. There's other subplots. But the biggest storyline to this season is can you make the playoffs can Victor look like an all-star and be back to full health? Because if he doesn't look like that, then there's this cloud kind of hanging over of, okay, was that a redshirt year? Is he ever going to get there? Do you have to kind of reassess how your franchise looks, knowing that another contract is has to come for Victor? I think, I think he only's got one year left after this season on that original four-year deal, which looked great and still looks great at the time. Um so, yeah, that's where we're at on Oladipo. He's not revealing anything sort of concrete about his rehab. He did mention that a lot of attention has gone to the shooting stroke, which I think makes sense because think about it. A lot of things were stationary for him early on. He was you know confined to a chair or to a bed or whatever, and I think that allowed him to kind of work on his form. He's definitely never been the best shooter. And if you're going to take away some of that explosive athletic ability, that puts more of an onus on his shooting form and becoming a more consistent shooter. So that's kind of where we're at with with Victor. Yeah, and I mean, you you, you talked about really from the time that he got hurt, 
that this dude thrives on athleticism and, and quickness and speed. And so, you know, <laughs> if he can't shoot and then he's not the same when it comes to his athleticism because of the injury, what well, we got. So thrives. it's a good thing that he has been shooting like yeah. that. Yeah, and, and we'll see if that translates, obviously. Right. But, yeah, I, I'm glad you brought up that point. You know, I hear so much about, well, Tony Parker recovered in nine months from it, and Tony Parker was 10 years older than Victor. Watch Tony Parker play the game of basketball and watch Victor Oladipo play the game of basketball. Right. When 2017 Vic, right? Right. The Vic that we all want. That's like saying, like, oh, my mom plays golf and John Daly plays golf. Yeah. Well, watch those two people swing a golf club. Uh-huh. No offense to my mother, but she's more of a finesse player. <laughs> John Daly's more of, Grip you know, and rip it, baby. Right. I wear the loud pants for a reason. Yeah. So it's just a totally different style in how those guys play. And, you know, for those of you that have heard my Pacers Victor chatter this offseason, I have said exactly that. He is a 6'4 shooting guard. That is small in today's NBA. If you're a 6'4 shooting guard, you better be a dead-eye shooter. Victor is not that. Where Victor becomes an all-star caliber player is he is such an explosive athlete, and he can finish at the rim and play bigger than 6'4". Can he get back there? Mm -hmm. That's the question I have. Did you see that uh, Andrew Yang... Presidential Democratic yeah. nominee. He oh, said, I was wondering where you were going with that. Yeah. He yeah. said, uh, surprise team this year, Pacers. Wow. Yeah, he made his NBA predictions, you know, trying to relate to the people. Okay. And, uh, hey, it worked. I liked it. I gave him a follow. But he, he, he did a whole rundown. He said the Pacers were a surprise team. So. And, like, that seems real because we're not this blue state. You would think he'd, like, go with, oh, boy, I really like the Sacramento Kings this year, trying yeah. to steal some votes yeah. out west. Right. Or, like, Iowa. Or who's who's Iowa's favorite NBA team? Well, to be fair, he did say the Mavericks from the west, so that's a Texas, you know. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. A little Pacers, bit of that. Yeah, but that's a good point. So Wow, Andrew Yang breaking down his NBA knowledge there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that kind of speaks to the offseason that the Pacers had. And we mentioned, you know, the, the acquisitions that they had. Um, still questions about Victor, but um, you know it just feels like going into this year, like you mentioned off the t- off the start, Kevin. You feel really good about it. You feel like there's some possibilities of of some success. I'm all about something new, you know. And I just felt like the previous group it kind of reached its ceiling. You know, I I know they wanted to bring back Bogey, and I really like Bogey. I mean, he was outstanding here. You know, obviously overexceeded any expectations right. you could have had for him. But, you know, he was even nearing 30 years old. And if this is going to be a redshirt year with Victor, now you're getting into bogey being 31 or 32. And, and you're just it, it just it would have complicated some things, I think. I don't think you would have been able to get Malcolm Brogdon had you re-signed bogey. For sure. Um, God, I'm so glad they didn't get Ricky Rubio. Uh, yeah. Ugh. That was one of the worst, like, rumors oh my gosh. thoughts going around. I was, I was like, like, come on. Whoa, if you drop that bomb, I'm going to be so pissed. Um. But I like what Kevin Pritchard did. You know, I, I still think you should have traded away one of the bigs, and I'm sure that's easier said than done. You know, if you go back to the draft and it's like you think you could get Goga at 18, let's say you would have traded Turner for the fourth pick, you know, is that homeboy from Vanderbilt whose name is it, is escaped me, Darius Garland? Nice. Is it, you know, DeAndre Hunter from UVA? You know, some, now you're, you put a lot of pressure on Goga, you know, and obviously it's easier said than done to orchestrate that, but I think ultimately for this team to reach its ceiling, you've got to move one of the bigs at, at some point. But having said that, 
I love the fact that the Pacers are much more skilled on the offensive end of the floor than they were last year. Think of late clock this year, even without Victor. Malcolm Brogdon, he can go get you a bucket. Jeremy Lamb, two dribble pull up, there's your bucket. TJ Warren catching it 15 feet away from the basket, facing up, there's your bucket. And I'm saying, obviously, potential for buckets. Sabonis, boom. Turner, he's got to catch it and then shoot it. But still, you just have more offensive individual playmakers, whereas last year it was like, oh, God, Thaddeus Young has it with five on the shot clock. This one's going off the backboard, folks. Right. Is he going to, you know, where's the left hook? Or, you know, what? And look, we obviously love Thaddeus Young, but still, that's just his game. Same thing with Collison. Late clock, what's he getting you? Wesley Matthews, and I know some injuries contribute to that, but you just were a little – the offensive ceiling for last year's team is, was much lower than this year's team. Mm-hmm. And that's what wins in the playoffs, point blank. That's what wins in the NBA. I like the fact that you got versatile. You can be interchangeable on the defensive end. I know they don't want to do that, but if you you know if you get into dire need and you're Matt Eberflus and you realize, oh, boy, it's time I should do something different, you can do some switching which I think is enticing. Um, I know they're about, you know, they're all about kind of smart players. They're going to figure it out. That that sort of, that's their thinking with Sabonis and Turner and Brogdon and all of that. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I get what Kevin Pritchard did. He wanted to realign the timetable for his team. Justin Holliday is the only person over 27 years old. Wow. Pretty much everyone is on multiple year deals that, that matter. Sabonis extension would make that be everybody that matters. And I think that was smart considering where Victor Oladipo is at from a timeline standpoint. Anything else? You want to get into Twitter questions? Yeah, let's do Twitter questions. And then after Twitter questions, we'll give a little season season prediction. All right, let's start with uh, my guy, uh, Dylan Evans, one of my groomsmen. He's a regular. Oh, yeah, regular, I'm not Dylan at your wedding. Yeah, he was reg- great. Regular listener to, to both of the Kevin's Corner, whether it be Colts or Pacers. Dallas? Or Austin, is that where Dylan lives? No, that's that's Danny. Danny. That's another one. Yeah, gotcha, yeah. Gotcha. Dylan actually resides uh, in the Ville now. He's a uh, okay. Louisville. Yeah. Nice. Uh, when is Vic returning, he asks. And then he says, also, will Miles ever learn to play on the block with the dude smacking his forehead? Emoji. That's a really good emoji for yeah. Miles turn on the block. Um, okay, when will Vic be back? You know, I'm going to guess January. I'm going to say January. I'm going to stick with that. back, or is that just well, now we're no, rotation? No. And, and, and I'm glad you brought that up. When Victor Oladipo makes his season debut, he's not playing back-to-backs. I can't see him playing 35 minutes. You know, you you want to eat, which is fine. Makes total sense. You want to ease him back into things. Will Miles learn how to play on the block? Probably not. And I think we just have to come to the point where He's not going to do that. He's never going to do that. That's okay. But if he's never going to do that, you've got to be exceptional in your other areas. Yeah. It's like the Eric Ebron debate. Oh. Eric, Eric Ebron, you aren't going to block. Go be exceptional as a pass catcher. Like You've For got sure. to make sure that you do that. So, Turner, it's this. We're not going to throw it to you on the block very often. Sabonis would be a guy that we're going to throw it to more on the block. Go shoot you know, 38% from three, stretch the floor on a consistent basis, and go be one of the best defensive players in the NBA. Bar none. For sure. And, you know, his summer, while I think FIBA helped him out a lot, I don't know if you woke up early for that game against France, Joey, but Rudy Gobert. That is way. Manhandle Miles. I I think, if I'm not mistaken, 
Miles picks up his third foul early in the third quarter of that game where they lost to France. And Popovich is like, all right, screw this. I'm not playing a center the rest of the game. And that was it. He just hoped that Harrison Barnes could scratch and claw his way, and they played small ball, and it didn't work out. But, you know, it's just Miles has got to become a better rebounder. That's how he gets to be the best defensive center in the NBA. You know, he can, you know, you know, block shots and all of that, but your rebounding has got to improve. On ball, you've got to become a better defender. And when you're playing the Drummonds and the Steven Adams and the Gobert's, you got to be better there as well. Um, so, yeah, that, that that's, I think, where we're at with, with Miles Turner. From Lucas, call which young guard is going to make the biggest impact this season, Sumner or Holiday? Mm. Sumner had a great first half in the second game out in India. Shot it, like, with no hesitation. I mean, his jumper still looks weird, but shot with no hesitation. Sumner's probably like the guy that I feel like fans talk about the most. I swear he's going to be good. Yeah, people love to get attached to those kind he's of guys. He's back from the ACL. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, it's a really good question. I'm probably torn on it. You know, I'm not sold on Aaron Holiday having like locked in backup point guard, seventh man sort of role I think he will be that but you know like TJ McConnell was a backup on a pretty good Sixers team yep now it depends on name McMillan wants what do you want you want a guy that's going to go distribute the basketball and you know hopefully give you a five assist and one turnover in 15 minutes or 20 minutes of action or do you want more of a microwave score in holiday that's a big question that you have to have I'll go with holiday but I don't say that with a whole lot of confidence. Sumner is going to give you – he's going to have a good opportunity here early in the season without Victor. Because think about it. Who are your backup guards? Holiday, TJ McConnell, I guess the other Holiday, Justin, yep. and then Sumner. So I do think Sumner, there's a chance for him to get some minutes and then maybe entrench himself into more of a role. Oh, excuse me. Um, this is a good segue into Sam's question. He wants to know, who do you think gets the backup point guard minutes to start the year, Aaron Holiday or TJ McConnell? Sam, it's a really good question. Um, I'll go with Holiday. And I'm only going with Holiday just because, like, the Pacers need it to be Holiday. You know, like, you got to hit on this pick. That's the issue is your first-round picks have just not worked out over the last three or four years. So... It really needs to be holiday, but again, I don't say that with a whole lot of confidence. Cody Fowler says it's interesting how similar Ballard and Pritchard are as GM slash president. All about the culture, team first, building inside out, etc. With the Colts, it's great. Football is the ultimate team sport. Sounds great for the Pacers. Will be a fun team, but will that model win big in the NBA? Cody asked that. Yeah, Cody's been clamoring for Pacers podcast yeah. this off season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cody, sorry we've been a little late, but here we are. Um, really good question. I think that Chris Boward and Kevin Pritchard are very similar in a lot of ways. Um, I enjoy listening to both of them. I enjoy watching both of them build a roster, and I also enjoy listening to both of them. Um, but you're right. It's two totally different leagues. You know, having seven draft picks, eight draft picks is a lot easier, especially because you can, you can find a gem in the fourth or fifth round. It's difficult, but if you hit on a second-round pick in the NBA, they should build a statue for you. Like, that's just the reality. 
of the NBA. Right, like Lance Stevenson. I mean, come right. on. I mean. You know, um, so I I just I firmly believe that Kevin Pritchard tried to pursue insert the top 10, 12 free agents last year. I do. And the free agent probably was like, Indiana? Where's that on a map? What's their nightlife? Where's the water? Man, yeah, I just... It just sucks. Like, I, I, I don't know. So that so you have to get creative there. Because if you can't attract that, that's why I'm also... I'm so team trade. Because a trade or developing draft picks is the only way that you're going to get that. At least for four years until they bounce elsewhere. For sure. But, like, I'm thinking of, okay, Milwaukee drafted Giannis. And I've obviously hit a grand slam. Like, can Goga be one-fifth of that? Like, that's the sort of mindset that I think with international players. There's been a lot of busts. But when you're sitting there at 18, don't tell me you know, those college kids people were clamoring clamor the door for. You know, and, and so I think that's what you have to look at with Pritchard is what can can you get a trade you know because I don't think that like as much as culture and all that sounds great that doesn't win in the NBA culture does you know win in a community Monday all right good boomer reads to you know IPS school 44 and you know Alze Johnson was there handing out you know healthy pamphlets who okay that's great but like you need talent so to attract talent in a small market it's hit on the draft, or when you have these tradable assets with three big guys, all former top 20 picks, I think got to move one of them. That's kind of my thought process. From our friends uh, at the Setting the Pace podcast, they want to know, with no real backup center besides Goga, should the Pacers be concerned about his injuries and their center depth? Also, what do you think is the biggest piece missing from this roster? Well, let's start with Goga, and yes, I I do think it's a real question. Um, now, let's say Goga misses time. You'd have to find another center, but you know I think you could still kind of manipulate some of your rotations to where it's not so much Sabonis and Turner together for long stretches. One of them is always playing at that second unit. You know, TJ Warren can give you some minutes at the four. Maybe T.J. Leaf. I don't know. Jakar Sampson was their first big off the bench uh, in India. I totally forgot he was even on the team. So, yeah, I mean, there's not a fourth center on this team, so you might have to make a move there, but it doesn't sound like it's too serious with Goga. Uh, second part of that question was, what's the biggest missing piece? So I've got two. A lockdown perimeter defender in the 6'7 to 6'9 range. I know Brogdon defended Kawhi at a very high level last year in the playoffs. But you're going to tell me you want Malcolm Brogdon to be your point guard, be one of your leading scorers, and go guard the other team's best player every night? That's a lot. So I think you're missing that sort of wingish defender. And then I also think you're missing... A smaller guard, 6'6 six, six and, and shorter, that can really break down teams off the dribble with speed. You know, a Brogdon can create, but he's not the speed creator. And I think at times teams benefit from that. Can that be Holiday? I don't know. But, and maybe it's just recency bias from watching De'Aaron Fox out there in India. Yeah. 
But I don't know, man. Just having more of a speed element and a change of pace guy, especially with Brogdon, I think having a change of pace guy coming off the bench would be great. From Chris, he says, realistic start to the season, 8-2 and two in the first 10 games. He says the schedule is favorable. It is. Um, you want to pull up that early season schedule for Got me? Got it. Yeah. Uh, so Wednesday, October 23rd, two weeks from today? Yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah. Two weeks Wednesday from yesterday. Night. Yeah, it's Thursday. Jeez. Uh, they open with Detroit. Detroit basketball. <laughs> then they go at Cleveland. Is there uh, a worse chant? Is there a worse? Well, yeah, if they were good, it might be worth something. But when they're, you know, or it's bordering on an eight seed. The other one is Dos Minutos down in Miami. Oh, God, that gives me nightmares, dude. Just thinking back to playoff series. I wake up them. in cold sweats to that. And Udonis yeah. Haslam jumpers. <laughs> uh, at So home to Detroit to start the year. Then they go to Cleveland that Saturday at Detroit. Two days later, at Brooklyn for a three-game road trip with no KD. Right. Uh, versus Cleveland at home, Chicago at home, at Charlotte, home to Washington. I mean, boom. Detroit, good God. They play them three times. On, one, two, three, four. Dude, the NBA schedule is so weird. They play Detroit three times in the first ten games, and then they finish that ten-game slate at Orlando. So you have one game against Detroit after <laughs> mid-November. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean that is that sounds great, right? That start to the season sounds very manageable, which is good because again, Sabonis Turner getting their first action. Obviously, you know three newcomers in your starting lineup with Warren and Brogdon and Lamb. Yeah, Chris is right. You got to make some hay there. From Fred, T.J. Leaf. I love the name Fred. Is this the year? Big Fred guy. You like the movie Fred Claus? Have you seen that? No. Dude, I'm so lost on movies. So I just found out like Netflix is fun. What? What do you mean? So I I I never have watched Netflix. Whatever. Uh, what were the other ones called? Roku. R- Roku is a type of TV. Hulu. Hulu is streaming. Yeah, I've never watched any of that stuff ever. I barely watch TV. So my wife was out for a birthday the other night, and. Um, I watched this Woodstock documentary on Netflix. I was obsessed. Netflix is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that you're coming along. You I know I sound like up. I'm freaking 73 years old yeah. saying these comments, but... And then I'm now... We just watched the full Last Chance You. Yep. Great. Uh-huh. What else? What else should I be watching? Stranger Things. Well, yeah. Okay, I lied. I have... I. I have watched a few because of my wife, but never really initiated anything on my own. Okay. Like, I've never just kind of scrolled through it and been like... Oh, yeah, I hear good things about, you know, the Earth one or, you know, whatever. I got roped into the center um, okay. on Netflix. Uh, do you and your wife watch This Is Us? Yeah, she does. Yeah, I've watched a few episodes. It's but a, that that's on NBC, right? Yeah, but, it, you know, then it streams on Hulu the next gotcha. day and everything. It's a very good, you know, family, marriage. It's it's good. Okay. Yeah. Well, if anyone has any good, like, sports documentaries, I mean, I'm, I'm still a loser. I still want to watch kind of sports stuff. Um, tweet them at me and make me not sound like I'm 63 yeah. years old. Yeah. Netflix is fun. That's the quote of the day. All right. From, um, do we get on Fred? TJ Leaf? We- Fred. I don't think it's happening. Not the year. I, I don't think it'll ever be the year. He's talked about how his, the arc of his jump shot has improved and all this stuff. But for TJ Leaf to truly be successful, you need some great offensive talent around him. Like, we're talking big time creators, so Leaf can just 
stand in a corner and shoot jump shots. Right, everybody's like, oh, that guy's out here. Right. Um, I don't see it, man. But he might, he might get some looks early in the year. This is from the Indy Pacer. Where do you see the biggest levels of concern for this team, and where do you believe this team is in the standings until Victor comes back? Well, I still worry about them on the defensive end of the floor. I mean, if there's one thing about India, um, yeah, they, they struggle guarding. I mean, TJ Warren, for as much as I was raving about his offensive game, boy, yeah, I think the Pacers' power pack could score a couple buckets against them. So, and I say that without the trampoline. Um, you worry about them defensively. You worry about them rebounding. And I guess, like, okay, Joey, um, two minutes going a game. Who's taking the shot? TJ Warren, it's one thing to take the shot when you're trying to upset the magic on a Wednesday night when uh-huh. there's 150 people in, you know, whatever the Phoenix Arena is called. Probably like American Airlines. Yeah, great, call. Yeah. great call. Great um, call. Can you make it when it matters? So those are some questions that I have. Where will they be in the standings when Vic returns? Yeah. I'll say sixth. In the east. Sixth in the east. Correct. Okay. Anybody else? Yeah, sorry. I was just trying to think in my head, like, where would that, who would be above them? Yeah, I mean, you would go with, obviously, Philly, Boston, Milwaukee. Is Toronto going to fall off a cliff? I don't think they fall off a cliff. They definitely fall off. What about Miami? I know. Some people are high on Miami. Some people are really high on Orlando. Ooh. Which they all they do is draft big guys. You um, got um Mo Bamba. Jonathan Isaacs. Got, um, uh, Aaron Gordon still. Hell, they draft their point guard at one point last year was DJ Augustine. You know what's crazy is that Frank Vogel was the coach there and now he's the coach of the Lakers. <laughs> is Frank gonna make it? Probably not. I love Frank. I've always he's been my like favorite coach. I think in my time in Indy, I don't know why. I just I loved Frank. What happens first? Victor Oladipo scores thirty points, or Jason Kidd coaches a game for the Lakers. Whoa, Kidd's like the assistant bench coach, right? Right. Hmm. I really hope it's Victor scoring thirty. I do too, but I just man. Any sign of trouble or annoyance or LeBron, you know, doing his right. stuff that he always does. Hell, I'm surprised they haven't blamed the China thing on Frank Vogel yet. Yeah, you know? for sure. Just anything. All right, uh, from Tyler, last one here. It seems Sabonis and Turner are starting off smoothly. Is that the set in stone starting five, or do you rotate Goga in to develop him? Also, what happened to the rotation when Vic returns? Uh, first question, that is the set in stone starting lineup. You are rolling with Turner and Sabonis, and you're seeing what – what you got and you have to like that's just the state of a small market that's the state of being a contrarian um it is kind of funny to me like the Colts are the contrarian in the NFL trying to run the football and the Pacers are a contrarian in the NBA right you know trying to be play big gotta do we got um do. go got no I, I think it's too premature to be rotating them into the starting lineup or anything like that second question was what will be the rotation when Vic gets back yep okay you're gonna start Brogdon Vic Warren Sabonis Turner. Lamb would be your first guard off the bench. Then I assume Goga, your first big. Holiday, maybe off the bench. What the hell is Doug McDermott going to do this year? Kind of forgot about him. Um, 
Yeah, that, that that's how it would look. I think it'll honestly be pretty seamless in terms of like piece for piece. Obviously, they'll have to get used to playing with Vic, but I just think he'll go to the starting lineup. Lamb will go to the bench where he's played, I think, primarily in his career. And um, yeah, that'll you, be it. You want to make some predictions? We pre- we we in predicting time here? Yeah. Well, one sec. Let me see if I got any more over here. Okay. Um. All right, AJ asks. One of my dreams, aspirations is that I'd love to work for the Pacers or Colts someday. Any advice on how I could work to get there? I'm currently a senior in high school and I graduate in December. Well, AJ, I'd start emailing, um, you know, their internship programs or things like that and see if they need volunteer help. Certainly on game days, both organizations need a ton of help. You do that, you leave a strong impression. Moving on up. Yeah. I mean... So it's just Colts or Pacers, you said? Yeah, you know, I think that's the smartest advice. I mean, he's well, young. You, you, well, you interned with the Colts, correct? Yeah, I interned with the Colts, and I didn't start interning with them until my sophomore year of college. Yeah. So he's got a little bit of a head start, but it was game days. And that's how I got started, my transcribing f- post-game quotes. How about you? So my first interaction with this station, this brand, was I was a sophomore in college. Right. I shadowed Michael Grady during the Grady and Big Joe show. Mm-hmm. From then, I got my foot in the door working on IBC as a producer, and then, like you mentioned, you just any chance you get yeah. to get on people's good side and work your way up, and now I'm here almost six years later. So, I know it sounds cliche, but like that's just kind of what you have to do. Yeah. Like you just gotta, especially I think in sports, you know, where it is yep. such a volunteer sort of lifestyle early on, or you're making virtually no money, um, which some would argue how much money we're making now. You mentioned game day things, though. When I was a sophomore in college for the Pacers, I worked as a person on game nights giving out the notebook, like the, the pamphlets when you walk in that has like the mm-hmm. game day program. Yeah. I did that and like t shirt giveaways yeah. and stuff for them. Like game operations. Stuff. Yeah. And then yeah. I interned for them my senior year of college, going into my senior year of college. And then after my senior year, had an opportunity to hold a position there. Didn't they work didn't work out for various reasons, but again, Boom. to your point. Yeah. When you have it there and it's like, oh, they've been around, they've done something, you know, so that, that's what it's all about. AJ, good luck with that. Uh, country boy Eddie, who leads us in points per game and steals while Vic is out? I will say TJ Warren will lead in points, steals. I guess Brogdon? I mean, Victor does a great job of that. Yeah. So, And um, then lastly, from Joel, which newcomer will surprise us the most? Besides not having a star player like Vic, what concerns you most heading into the season? I've gone over those, Joel. The newcomer that will surprise me the most or surprise us the most? I mean, I, I hate to go with Warren because I know he's kind of a big name, but I, I think it will be Warren just because, I mean, no one knows who he is. Like, no one – and you got him for a freaking – you got him for that Nerf basketball you're holding over there. Like, you got him for three second-round picks. Barely got him for anything. So, yeah, I'll go with uh, I'll go with TJ Warren. All right. Is that it from, from That's what you it. got over there? That's it. That's all I got. All right, now let's let's what we're all here for. Prediction time. Yeah. Um maybe last year or the year before, I think I was spot on. I'm not very confident in my prediction this year, though. The over under is forty seven. So I I just like what the hell I don't even know how you even get to that number without knowing Victor's situation. You know, I just I think that is just such so much the unknown. That how can you make an accurate gauge of that? You know, when, when you don't know. 
when he's coming back, how much he's going to play when he comes back, you know, how healthy he's going to be, things like that. You know, after watching the team in India, I kind of go with like 45-ish wins, which, I mean, they won 48 each of the last two years. I'm not going that far off. Where does that place Victor then? So if you're on 45, does that mean that it is? And that he's truly not back to form until March or so? Yeah, yeah, I think that is. You know, if he gets back to health February 1-ish, maybe this is a team that could win 50. Because when you look at the East, we still think Milwaukee. We assume Philly with all these bigs will figure it out. We assume Boston will figure it out um, as well. But... There's a bit of a drop-off after that. We mentioned Toronto. What's Brooklyn going to look like with Kyrie, Orlando, Miami? I don't think we're forgetting anybody else. But, um, yeah, I will say that kind of means a March-April for for Victor. It's just hard for me to say 50 wins unless he just comes back and is yeah incredible. Uh-huh. But yeah, with th- I could be wrong. I think 45 wins would have got you a top five seed last year. There was a big drop, I think, from the Pacers at five all the way down to Brooklyn at six. Because, you know, late in the year, it was, all right, who's going to get three, four, five? And then it was like, all right, is it going to be Pacers or Celtics for home court? Yeah. Um, So the Pacers were the five seed with 48. And then six was Brooklyn with 42. Seven was Orlando with 42. Eight was Detroit at 500. So, you need to get to 45 to be in that top five. I mean, obviously, you want home court. You know, that's also been something that's been missing for this franchise throughout the playoff drought. But, uh, like I said, man, I'm I, I'm excited to see how this season unfolds and have some of these questions get answered. Sweet. I am going to roll with you. I'm not going to make a prediction, but that sounds good to me. 45 You're copping out. I'm copping out, yeah. So soft. <laughs> That's that's so soft to you. Think of the softest pace for player ever. Um, Would it be Roy Hibbert? <laughs> that was uh, the best. I, I I missed Mark. I I only missed Roy Hibbert just so I could hear Mark Jackson and his Brooklyn accent say Hibbert. Roy Hibbert. Where Hibbert's? Uh, <laughs> He's coaching. Yeah, Embiid, Philly. He's in Philly as a coach. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Can you imagine Embiid probably just rips him a new one. A lot of personality. Yeah. yeah all right. He's Joey Molinaro. I'm Kevin Bowen. We we have Pacers coverage on the site. Look at our uh, tab, Kevin's Corner tab, Pacers coverage. Like I said, two more preseason games and then the season opener, October 23rd. For those that are listening on Thursday to this podcast, I will be co-hosting the Fan Morning Show from 7 to 10 tomorrow morning with Eddie White. So there'll be a lot of Pacers talk tomorrow morning on our airwaves. So he's Joel Molinaro. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great weekend. We'll be back on Monday with a Colts podcast. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.